This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So even though there were so few Jewish people that turned back to God and followed him, he still went on to pay for man's sin to the mountaintop in Isaiah chapter 53. But as he comes to this mountaintop of Isaiah 53 to give his life as a sacrifice, and he's looking back on, nobody has responded essentially, very few. The big question that looms up out of this is the word who? Who? Who in the world are the ones who believe into this Messiah? Who are the ones who are going to believe this report that the Messiah died for their sins? And that's the opening statement in Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? Where in the world are they? Who? And that's the question that Isaiah 53 starts with. So as the book of uh, Isaiah moves on down the mountainside, now from Isaiah 53, and this question is looming, who? We come to Isaiah 55, in which the answer is given. Who? Isaiah 53. I'll tell you, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55.1 says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So who? From Isaiah 53. Are the ones who have believed? The answer is Isaiah 55.1. Those that are thirsty. Only those that are thirsty ones. They are intensely thirsty for God. They are thirsty to the point where they say, it's not just I want God, it's not just I'm interested in God, it's not just I need God, I must have God. That's the thirsty ones. First characteristic. Second characteristic of the ones who come are described in Isaiah 55.1. Come, he that hath no money, Isaiah 55, 1. He that hath no money. They have no money. They are broke. They have nothing to bring to God 
except their dirty, rotten, sinful self. Dirty, guilty, sinful soul. And the so-called good works, forget about it. They're broke, they have no money, nothing to impress God with. They simply come to God begging for his mercy and his grace. So those are the two characteristics of the who, thirsty and no money. Now, following the cross, as we move on in Isaiah, we come to Isaiah chapter 60 that tells us how the promise or the gift that was given to him in Isaiah 49 of the Gentiles coming to light happens in Isaiah 60 verse 1. Isaiah 60 verse 1. The Gentiles come. Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. So now, with many Gentiles coming to the light, the Jews said no, but the many Gentiles coming to the light, seems like, okay, good. Jewish people said to Jehovah Jesus, no. The Gentiles said to, many of the Gentiles said to Jehovah Jesus, yes. And so God must be satisfied. He must be happy now. So now we can move on with life. No, that's not it. Because there's still the chapter we are in, chapter 62 in the book of Isaiah, where God is essentially saying, no, I'm not. I am not satisfied and I'm not happy because Israel still is not saved. And so this opens up for us the first verse in chapter 62, which says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem will I not rest. You know what God's saying here? When he says, I will not hold my peace, he's saying, no, I won't stop talking about this. I won't stop talking about Israel and their need for salvation and that they will be saved. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. What it's saying there is it says, no, I won't rest. Take it easy, God. Just rest. Look, you've got all the Gentiles that have come. He says, I won't. Stop talking about Israel. They don't like you. They don't want you. No, I won't. I won't stop talking about Israel. No, I won't be satisfied. I will not rest. Until what he calls the great until. Until. Until the brightness of Israel, the brightness of the righteousness, until the righteousness go forth as brightness, Righteousness in Christ, righteousness in God, and the salvation of thereof go as a lamp that burneth, goes way out beyond the borders of Israel. Till that happens, no, I'm not going to stop talking about it. Don't try to get me. No, I'm not going to rest. Don't tell me to rest. I won't. This is a view of salvation, the salvation of God that's like a lamp. And it's a lamp that burns so brightly that more Gentiles come to God as a result of that. This is a distant view. It's far off. It's a view of God's ultimate salvation plan for the world being fulfilled by the Jewish people carrying the gospel salvation message to the ends of the world. And this is very distant because all you have to do is just look at the letters I've received and you can just see how far off that is. Now, when we think, okay, the Jewish people want nothing to do with Jesus. And so what assurance do we have that this is really going to happen? What, what guarantee do we really have? What is the basis for us believing that the Jewish people are going to turn to the Lord Jesus and that they're going to carry the salvation to the world? If we look at the Jewish people today, like I said, there's no indication, no encouragement, nothing. 
that they will ever turn to the Lord Jesus. He is, Isaiah 49, 7, today, him whom the people despise and him whom the nation abhors. So what is our guarantee? What's our assurance that we have that the people are going to turn? There's only one. There's only one guarantee. There's only one assurance that we have, and it is the love of God for, for, for Israel. It's the love of God for the Jewish people. When he says in Jeremiah 31, 3, Jeremiah 31, 3, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. That means it doesn't stop. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. So the guarantee that this is going to happen to the Jewish people is not the Jewish people because today the Jewish people are like the dry bones in Ezekiel's vision of Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 is brought and sees a valley full of dry bones. God shows him this. And as Ezekiel is looking at this astounding sight of a valley full of dry bones, in verse 3 of Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 37, 3, God asks Ezekiel a question. And he said unto me, son of man, or son of Adam, son of Adam, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, God thou knowest. Can these bones live? How preposterous to look at dry bones. You know the emphasis there is on dry, dry bones? There's not even a little bit of blood oozing out of them. They're not like the T-Rex um, uh, bones that they found where they've, they've seen a little bit of blood marrow in there. You know, like we have over in the museum, one of them. Not like that at all. They're dry. They're scattered. And Ezekiel's asked the question, can they live? And Ezekiel says, whoa, I'm not going there. Smart man, Ezekiel. Stay away from that. He says, Lord, you know. He says, oh, God, oh Lord God, in verse 3, Ezekiel 37, 3, oh, Lord God, thou knowest. He says, I'm not going there. And this is when God showed to Ezekiel what would happen. And what God showed to Ezekiel was that there would be two phases or two stages to these dry bones living. The first phase he explains to him uh, in, 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 the, in the beginning there of Ezekiel 37 up to verse 8. I'll just start at verse 1 so you see the whole thing. Ezekiel 37, 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass through them round about and behold, there were very many in the open valley and they were very dry. I want to stop there. Get the picture? Ezekiel has been put in the middle of this valley and then he's given a tour. He goes around the bones and he says, they're dry. They're very dry, he says. Now go on. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. That's the first step. Ezekiel was shown, that's the first step. That is the bones coming together, but no life. There would be no breath in them. And the nation of Israel stands today with millions of Jewish people 
who are physically alive, but they don't have the Spirit of God in them. They don't have the Holy Spirit of life into them. They have not experienced what Adam experienced when he was created in Genesis 2-7, Genesis 2-7, when it says the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul, a living soul. That's the first stage in the history of Israel today. It's physical life without the life from, the, from God, without the life of the Holy Spirit, without the life of Jesus in them, without being saved. And then there's a second stage that God showed Ezekiel for the Jewish people, and it was seen when he went on and told him in verse 9 of Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 37, 9, then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, son of Adam, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came in unto them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet in exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, we are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you out of the graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I am the Lord that has spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. And when the Jewish people receive the Spirit of God, receive the Jehovah Jesus, then they live and bring the gospel message to the world as a very great army. That's the until of verse 1 of Isaiah 62. That's the until that God is waiting for. That's the until that God will not stop talking about until it happens. That's the until that God will not rest until that happens. Until that happens, he says in Isaiah 62.1, I will not rest. I will not rest. What an amazing statement from God to say, I will not rest. This is the God of the Sabbath. This is the God of the Genesis 2.2. Genesis 2.2. And on the seventh day, God rested, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. This is the only time in the Bible when God says, I will not rest. The conversion, the salvation of the Jewish people is just that important to him that he says, I will not rest until it happens. And God looks forward to this day with a longing. There's a longing in his heart because he says that in verse 2, Isaiah 62, 2. The Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, the kings thy glory. Thou shalt be called by a new name, God says. A new name for the Jewish people, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. The word shall is very important there. It says, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt be called by a new name. It's in the future. It's in the future. God says that Israel will be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will, ma will name. Very personal to God. God often gives new names to people. He changes names all the time. He changed to Ab Abram, to Abraham. He changed to Simon, Peter, Sarai, Sarah, so forth. And he's already given a new name to the Jewish people. What? They already got a new name. 
He changed the name to, in Genesis 32. It's from Jacob to Israel. He gave the name Israel to the Jewish people. That name was the name that came from the mouth of God when he wrestled with Jacob all night. That was the name that God gave Jacob when he found him, and Jacob was refound in Genesis 32, and God gave him a new name to commemorate that refinding. He became dedicated to God. And we're going to see that this new name will be for the Jewish people. And when you see it here, you can tell what the name is. But first, God continues to speak about what the Jewish people will be to him when he says in verse 3, Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. There's an emphasis there on the hand. God says, you're going to be in my hand like a jewel, like a precious jewel. You go to a, maybe you go to a jewel shop and they open up a black velvet. There's that jewel. Oh, can I touch it? Oh, can I hold it? Oh, can I have it? Hold it in my hand. But God says here, He says that you're going to be like that to me. I just want to hold you like that in my hand, a royal crown, a royal diadem. And then God tells the Jewish people what their new name's going to be. He says in verse four, "Your names of forsaken and desolate, forget about them. They're gone." Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be called desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah. He says Hephzibah. And then he explains. For the, Hephzibah means he delights in her. So your name should be called Hephzibah, for the Lord delighteth in thee. He used the word delighteth. It's not just like you know, the Lord likes you, the Lord accepts you, the Lord you're okay. No, he says delight. And in verse 4, the Jewish people, they suffer so much. In verse 4, at the hand of the Gentile nations, they suffer so much that they're actually given the name forsaken and desolate. They suffer so much at the hands of Christianity that they are, that they are, that they are called forsaken and desolate. The term forsaken draws us back to Psalm 22.1. Psalm 22.1, the words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I know we all think that the, of the Lord Jesus on the cross. It's true. But those were the very words on the lips of so many Jewish prisoners as they were killed in the concentration camps, as they were going into to the gas chambers, as they were going into the gas chambers. They knew they were going to die. And on their lips was Psalm 22.1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Those are the words from the Holocaust. And he's speaking here of a future Holocaust in this verse, in Isaiah 62.4. 62.4. He says, it's going to be the future ones. Because, because a future holocaust is coming, a holocaust which is described in the book of Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah, where it explains very clearly that if the Jewish people saw themselves as forsaken by God during the Nazis, they will doubly see themselves as forsaken by God during this coming holocaust because Hitler killed one-third of the Jewish people. There were, there were 18 million and he killed 6 million. He killed one-third but this coming tribulation, a book of Isaiah says they will be, two-thirds will be killed. Two parts out of three will be killed. And the remaining one-third that survive, they're described in Romans 11, 26, 11, 1, 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And God is going to wipe away those names at that time of desolate and forsaken. And instead, God's new name is Hephzibah in verse 4. He shall delight in her. The names of the Jewish people then will go from Jacob to Israel to Hephzibah. From supplanter to prince of God to he delights in her. 
And that last name of Hephzibah is very personal, very personal for God as he describes what he means that. He says in verse 5, as a young man marrieth a virgin, he says, as a bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. As a bridegroom rejoices over a bride. We've never seen a statement like this before in Scripture. But in Scripture, we see analogies of how the church or the bride of Christ rejoices over the Lord Jesus. But this is different. This is God rejoicing over saved Israel. I mean, what words? God rejoicing over thee? These are amazing words. Just think of this picture that God has painted for us. It's a picture of a young bridegroom who's rejoicing over his bride. He's in love with the bride. The bridegroom, what does it mean he rejoices over his bride? It means he thinks of her constantly. I mean, a young man, he's, when he's at work, he looks forward to when he can be with his bride. When he's with his bride, he, he wants to put his head on her shoulder. He's like a, he's in blissful contentment when he's in that state. When his bride speaks, it's all he hears. He's 100% focused on her words. He loves to listen to her. He hangs on her every word. He just can't get enough of her. He's lost his head over her. He loves to meet her needs. He wants to make her smile. He wants to make her happy. He's the happiest when he's just with her. Her name is the most beautiful name that he's ever heard. The way she looks is his new definition of beauty. Blonde hair, blonde hair is the only thing beautiful. He sees himself as the most fortunate person in the world to have her as his bride. He can't believe it. He actually has his bride. There is nothing dull. There is nothing academic about his love for her. He doesn't just love her. He's in love with her. And these, were, these are the words that were tied up when God says that he re, he's going to rejoice over, over Israel as a picture of a man in his first bloom of his love. So with these words, rejoice over her, this is the picture of how, that God has painted for us, that it's what it'll be like for Israel when they make the Lord Jesus their God. And with these words, rejoice over her, God has painted for us a picture of himself as the groom who's so excited over his bride Israel that he can't contain himself, and he breaks out into singing, singing. God is, God, there's only one place in the Bible where God said he sings, and it's in Zephaniah 3.17. It's talking about rejoicing over Israel, saved Israel. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Rejoice over thee with joy. That's the picture of God so excited over his love for saved Israel. Rest in his love is a picture of God nestled down in a state of contentment in his love for saved Israel. Joy over thee was singing. That's a picture of God so excited over saved Israel. He can't do it. He breaks that into singing. And God is so serious that this should happen that he said in verse 6, I have set upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, set watchmen. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make bench of the Lord, keep not silence. God said, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. So, it's not, of course it's not yet, day of rejoicing. It hasn't come yet. It's for the future. It's a day yet to dawn. It's a baby yet to be born. But, he says, I want that day to come so much that I have called watchmen, very special watchmen, very special watchman whose location is on the walls of Jerusalem. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. That means they're focused on Jerusalem. Watchmen on the walls. Israel's lost condition is seen as broken down walls of Jerusalem. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.